Mecham Auctions, the world's largest collector car auction company, returns to Indy with Dana Mecham's 37th Original Spring Classic, May 10th through the 18th at the Indiana State Fairground. 3,000 muscle cars, Corvettes, exotics, and more. Broadcast on Motor Trend TV and streaming live on Max. From avid collectors to those new to the Mecham experience, we welcome everyone. Register to bid now at Mecham.com. On the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline from ESPN, ESPN.com, Stephen Holder joined us. I felt that second half with Minshew and the offensive line, the running game, and all that it entailed was as near perfect for this group as anybody could ask for offensively. Would you agree? Yeah, I would. And and funny enough, it came a week after they were all an absolute disaster in Cincinnati. So I'm not sure what it says about the Pittsburgh Steelers. I'm afraid that it's not positive, <laughs> but – that's that's a separate matter. Let's talk about the Colts. I mean, I, I really think, I, in fact, I told Ryan Kelly, we were having a conversation after the game, and I, I mentioned to him, I said, you know, that kind of felt like 2019. If you remember that year, Luck had just walked out the door, and so the, the philosophy was very clear. It was, all right, we got to go and, and run this ball as much as we can and, and keep – and, and keep things in a manageable situation for Jacoby Brissett. I, I thought they did that for much of the year, particularly the first half of that season. And that's what that felt like. I mean, I remember, wasn't it that year, I believe there was a game in Houston where uh, the Colts were down. Marlon Mack might have been hurt, I think. Jonathan Williams, I believe, started that game, if, if anybody even remembers who that yep. is. And, and they actually... Uh, ran at will that night. Uh, I think it was a primetime like Thursday night game. So it felt like that, you know? So Jonathan Taylor's out and uh, Zach Moss goes down in the second quarter and they just, they just keep rolling guys out there and the offensive line kept winning blocks. So uh, really, really impressive performance. Um, I always go back and try to try to give people a flavor of what happened in the game. I didn't do it a lot this week, but I did, post a clip on my Twitter if you want to look at it as a listener. I think it was yesterday. You can scroll through my tweets, and you'll see the 31-yard run uh, that they had, I believe, in the fourth quarter. Absolutely impeccable execution. Like, amazing execution. That's what you do right there. I I thought that given the circumstances and who we're talking about in this group, offensively speaking, that is about as as perfect as you can play. And I remember a game, and I can't remember what year it is. It was basically a week after they traded for Trent Richardson and Ahmad Bradshaw and the Colts played in San Francisco. And with that regime, what they'd always talked about, they wanted to do offensively. I think that was like the only time they ever did it um, in in that particular definition, I thought that that was as perfect offensively as that group could have played then. That's kind of how I felt yesterday. I'm just kind of considering mm-hmm. who they have available, who's playing, yeah. who isn't. But yes, yeah, I should say Saturday, especially in that second half, again, I felt was as near perfect as that group could be. Yeah, and I, I kind of extolled the the offensive line in my, my previous statement or the, the previous question you asked me, but I, I do want to make sure that we give Gardner Minshew his credit yeah. because I think for him, 
what I worry about is him finding the balance between aggressiveness and and making mistakes or playing clean, I should say. He has struggled at times to find that balance. So if you go back and you look at the, the games in which he has put up the big numbers this year, you know, when they've had 300-plus yards passing, which they've had a few times, in those games, what happened? Turnovers, right? This time, now, the numbers were not as big, granted, but he was extremely efficient, threw for a fair amount of yards for the, for the number of attempts that he threw. And so I thought they got very good and efficient production out of the passing game and, and took some shots down the field, but did it without making a mess. And that's what you got to do. I mean, they're a team that can't afford that, right? They, they don't have necessarily the same explosiveness as some of these elite teams, but if they play clean, you know, they, they can make some plays on defense and they have a formula. There's a formula there that's pretty clear. But the formula does not include Gardner Minshew going out and turning it over three times. So, so that was the game right there. That was the formula and on display. And I think they got it, man. They, I don't know whether they can do it every week, but, but we know it's achievable because now we've seen it a few times now. Stephen Holder of ESPN, ESPN.com. Colts 30-13 over the Steelers, 8-6 and six in the playoff picture, but still need to win the rest of the schedule with you in a minute. Zach Moss went out, didn't return. It was Trey Sermon, a former third-round selection, by the way. Tyler Goodson, who I rarely had much, if anything, leading up until that point. Both listen, were absolutely – Listen, I had, I had to ask the PR yeah. staff to introduce us in the locker room. <laughs> That's good. I'm not kidding. <laughs> I had no idea what the hell that guy looked like. <laughs> okay. Go ahead. He was he was almost six and a half per carry on those runs for sixty nine yards. That that was such a big deal Saturday. It was crazy. I mean, that to me is an indication that that your system is 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 solid. You know, because as much as look, we should give the running backs credit. Don't get me wrong. Like like Sermon made made some good runs. I thought Goodson actually made some some good runs as well, and I thought displayed really good speed. Um, he's a guy to watch, I think, you know, going forward, frankly. You know, they, they you always need depth at that position, and I think they have more depth than I give them credit for, frankly. But anyhow, but still, to plug a guy in, or two guys like that, to plug them in and to not see a drop-off in production, that tells me that, that they're executing the blocks that – they they had the upper hand in the trenches for sure on on Saturday. And if they do that, because I think this offensive line has generally played pretty well this year. I, I think all things considered, they have played well. You know, they've had some injuries, they've had to work around, but even in spite of all of that, I would say on the whole, I like the way they have played. If they can keep trending in this direction and and trending toward where they once were. Because, look, that's what this team was built on a few years ago. And I think they lost that edge, man. They lost it. And they're, this is as close as they've been to re- recapturing that, as I've seen in a long time. I, I don't think we – we hadn't really seen it, I don't think, since, I don't know, going into that Jacksonville game in 2021. That was the day they lost it. And I hadn't seen it since before this year. So, so all positive. That offensive line can take you a long way. 
It's a Stephen Holder who joins us. It, it can. And, and really, for them to get the maximum out of where they are and where they hope to be, it, it has to. It really does. Yeah. Now, in, in terms of, of coming back, what's your expectation for Jonathan Taylor? Does he reemerge this weekend down in Atlanta? I think there's a chance. You know, I think uh, Wednesday will tell us more. You know, does he get out there on a limited basis? And we'll see. The, the problem is, He's missed, what, uh, three games? So uh, I think that's right. Yeah. So so the problem is, you know, you, you worry about is he in football shape? Not that he would be completely out of shape. It's not like he's been laying on the couch. But, you know, you haven't taken a hit in three weeks. You have a hand injury. That, you know, re- raises some, some questions, and that makes you uncomfortable, you know, from a ball security standpoint. So I just think they got to be really sure – if he gets back in practice this week, that's one thing. But getting on the field and playing is a whole different question. I, I don't know where this is going to go. All I'm saying is they have to be sure, you know, because they're talking about ball security. I mean, we've already seen, like, they, they are capable of running the ball. Now, it hadn't been pretty the previous two weeks, so I'm not sure where the hell that came from. <laughs> but uh, in terms of running the ball, they had not been pretty the, the previous two weeks without Jonathan Taylor. So I give them credit for, for bouncing back. Um, hopefully they can keep that going if he misses another game. But as I said, look, they have displayed that they have the ability to do it without him. So if it's not there, I don't think you can push it. There is a pretty good chance – Zach Moss will go. He's going to try to go as it stands here today. Uh, he told me after the game, it sounded like he, he could have tried to play if the result was more in doubt. But given the fact that the other guys were playing well and, and that the score got a little lopsided, there was no need to push it. Uh, his problem was, Zach said, uh, he was having some issues um, you know, have, with strength in that right arm carrying the football. So I, I got the sense it might have been a stinger kind of deal. So we'll see how that progresses over the course of the week. I hesitate to ask because nobody knows, but uh, any feel regarding Michael Pittman Jr.? No, no way to know. I, I, I would say two days in a row, immediately after the game and yesterday, Shane Steichen was, was very positive about about how he was doing. Now, I don't know if that is, I don't know what that means in context. Does that mean, well, for a guy who just nearly got decapitated, he's doing pretty good. Yeah. Or does it mean, hey, you know what? He's not really in that bad of shape. Maybe it wasn't, I, I don't like the term mild concussion because I think that is an awful term because, uh, you know, if you got a brain injury, it's a freaking brain injury, right? But, but there are degrees. You know, there, there are degrees and, and also people recover differently. So who knows? Uh, there, there's always the chance. I mean, he would not be the first player to come back and play one week later. He did have an extra day, so he's got eight days. We'll just have to see. Um, but he would be a big loss, no doubt about it. Um, they really had to adjust the, the receiver roles in his absence on on Saturday, you know, I, I think immediately after he went out, you might recall Alec Pierce moved over to his spot and you saw him run uh, sort of a, a hard slant and get a ball in traffic there. You know, not the type of route that we see him run a lot of. So I think he was, you know, kind of assuming that role 
with Pittman. And then later on, you saw other guys mix in there as well. So uh, they, they have to kind of piecemeal it together without Michael Pittman, just because a, he gets so many targets and B his, his role and those routes that he runs, they are really uh, featured in the offense. They're, that's just really uh, at the core of what they do. So big, That'll be a big storyline this week. It, was that the best we have seen both the offensive line and the defensive line play together in one game? That could be. That's because I, I, I was I was trying it. to think about a time when collectively both yeah. sides of that football up front played at that high a level, and I couldn't think of one. Well, you know, let, let's say at, at minimum it was definitely high on the list, and and what we. What you can take away from that is, first of all, I mean, to do it against the Pittsburgh Steelers, look, I get it. I get it. The Steelers are not a good team this year. I, I know they have a – I know their record doesn't suggest that they're some terrible team. But, I mean, you can look at them and see they're not a good football team. And But the one thing you can always say about the Steelers is those guys are tough. Like, they're, lunch, they're a lunch-pale team. They reflect their coach and his demeanor. They always do, even when they're not that good. And I just think there's something, you know, symbolic about the Colts going in there and and basically beating the Steelers at their own game, basically knocking their teeth out, kicking their teeth in. You know, that's what they did. And I, I just, I think as a Colts fan, you have to really relish in that. Number one, you never beat this team. <laughs> okay. Like never. That's the first thing for whatever that's worth. And then secondly, as I said, that is the way the, that's what the Steelers have historically done to people. They just beat you up and you feel like you were in a, a, a fist fight. Well, the Colts brought the fist fight this time. So, I mean, you got to love that. No, no question about it. No, I agree. And that they very much did in the second half what notoriously the Steelers have done to them over an incredibly lengthy losing streak. Yeah. I mean, how many times did we see Andrew Luck get put on his tail against the Steelers as good as he was right <laughs> he got very used to to hitting that turf when he played the Steelers uh, do you remember there was a game I, I'm not going to try to remember what year but this was this was the most uh, symbolic image of Colts and Steelers I feel like in my time in this town the past 10 years Brian Hoyer game I, well, no, no, there, that was that was a doozy too. I but. thought that, that that was somewhat symbolic too for maybe <laughs> negative reasons. Yeah, but go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah, I, there was a there was a play, and I don't remember the year, but there was a play in which Andrew Luck threw an interception, basically laying on his back in the end zone. He he tried to throw the ball as he was as he was getting knocked over, and it kind of went, you know, sort of errantly up in the air and was intercepted and it was like some Carson Wentz type of stuff man I mean it was <laughs> but that's that's what happened when you played the Steelers with this team man so I don't know maybe it's a different day yeah that it um yeah, it was it was good to see and you could tell you could tell by that crowd and mm-hmm. that atmosphere is exactly what they've been longing for just something you know like something? that and the Colts gave it to them you know something that I think is really critical too. I wondered I wondered after the Cincinnati game, you know, how it would affect them mentally. Now, I wasn't afraid that they would they wouldn't, you know, punch back because I think Steichen has instilled something in this team. Shane Steichen his, his the attitude that he brings I think is really important. So I wasn't doubting it. 
At the same time, show me, don't tell me, right? You, you got to step up. And, and I don't care what you say, what your words on Monday and Tuesday, I don't care. doesn't mean anything. So what I would say is, you know, they came back and, and they played with confidence. So you go in that locker room and you talk to those young running backs and well, uh, Trey Sermon is not even that young, but, but certainly Goodson's young and the young receivers and what have you. And you just hear this confidence, you know, and, and that's the part that I really love because one of the things that, that you got to do when, when you don't have a savior on your team, okay, and by that I mean you don't have Patrick Mahomes. You know, you don't have a, a guy you can just say, okay, we're, we're going to put our fate in your hands. Go save us. They don't have that. So what you got to do is you got to get it from everybody. Everybody's got to step up. And so I remember talking to DJ Montgomery in the locker room, and, you know, he had this, this ugly drop in the end zone. Everyone saw it. I mean, at that moment, you're thinking, okay, this guy has no business being on this football field. <laughs> and, and honestly, his, his resume suggests that he doesn't have any right being out there. Okay. This guy has been out of the, about out of college, I think four years, hasn't done anything in the NFL, like nothing. And so anyhow, he gets another shot and he comes back. And so I asked him, I said, you know, do you know if you're really ready before the moment? Because he said, no, I, I believe I was ready. I said, how do you know? He said, no, you know what? You don't know. You really don't. And he says, but I, you just have to have a confidence within you that, that when that opportunity comes, you know, you're not going to fumble it, you know, no pun intended. And he did, <laughs> but, but as I said, they have this, this mentality about them, the Colts, that not, they're not phased by anything. And I, I just, that's something you got to love about this team. They're not phased by any negative or any positive, for that matter. And, and the guy was headstrong and came back and made a huge play. So, anyway, all the credit in the world. How good has Shane Steichen been this season in terms of talking about him as coach of the year? Where should that man, conversation he's a, begin? He's a hell of a coach, man. Like, we don't have to sugarcoat this or, like, you know, sort of suggest it. We, we don't have to do any of that. The guy is a hell of a coach. He has two things. I, I just mentioned the mentality that he's instilled. I think that's, like, huge. That's a huge part of this. But then you combine that with the fact that schematically – what him and Jim Bob Cooter are doing offensively is off the charts. Like it's off the charts. I mean, the, you look at Pittsburgh's skilled position players. I mean, they've got guys like Deontay Johnson and George Pickens out there and they can't even, they can't even put a sentence together on offense. You know what I mean? And I get that their quarterback is, is a bad quarterback situation, but I mean, it's not like the Colts are out there playing with, you know, 2008 Peyton Manning, I mean, come on, right? So I don't even think you have to make a distinction there. I mean, they're both playing with suboptimal quarterback situations. And yet, why are the Colts getting so much more out of their offense? Why is that? I, it's a big part of it is what is happening in terms of who's pushing the buttons. There's no doubt about it. And, and, and I'm just telling you, there's, there's kind of a, there's just kind of a, a sense of confidence in that locker room, you know, I, and, and then when they lose, even there's not a, a sense of man, you know, maybe we're not that good or, or a sense of disappointment, not eh, that's the wrong word, a, a sense of, we don't know what happened, you know, like bewilderment, like sometimes that happens. 
in Cincinnati, the sense I got in the locker room was they were pissed off. They were like, man, that wasn't us. We don't do that. And that ain't going to happen again. So I don't know, man. I mean, it's just none of this is a promise that, that anything in particular is going to happen, right? I mean, who knows what happens on Sunday? All I'm telling you is that from, you know, from, from nearly 20 years of being in these locker rooms, you get a vibe. And you, I can read teams, I think, fairly well. Or at least you can learn something from, from reading the team. And there's, there's something unique about this team's disposition. And as I said, when you couple that with uh, the offensive acumen, and, and look, you know, Gus Bradley has had some moments this year too, up and down, but, but he's had some moments as well. Uh, what you get when you couple all that together is a really good product. You just get some of what we witnessed on Saturday to show up and be more consistent because yeah. this has been a roller coaster. I mean, all you have to do is look back at the last two weeks. I mean, it was dismal. We thought the worst last week and this week. Now it's the best. It is a roller coaster, but it's just if anything you take away from Saturday can be projected to consistency to close out the regular season, then they're looking good combining that with the teams that they're playing. But, you know, they're also capable of playing, playing down in these situations too, as we've seen. Yeah, I, I think that's true. I mean, we saw that against teams like the Patriots and the, the Panthers. Both of those teams have very underrated defenses, to be clear. And I think we, we probably didn't give them enough credit uh, off of those two games. Now, the Colts won both of those, but, but it was tough sledding, man. It was tough, tough, tough sledding. I mean, they could not move the ball, really, for the most part, in either game. But – so, yeah, it has been uh, kind of all over the place, but I think that's to be expected because, you know, the, the consistent teams are generally the teams that have more talent. Let's just be honest. And, and they often will have a talent deficit at times against other teams. I'm not saying they're not good. They have a lot of good players, uh, but, but there are some spots sometimes where, where they're at a, at a disadvantage. Uh, quarterbacks sometimes being one of them. So there's not much you can do about that as a coach, as an organization in the moment. There's nothing you can do about that. And what you've got to do is you've got to overcome it in other ways. And so that's where you scheme things up, you know, to, to get the best out of your players. And they, they have been doing that. I give them a lot of credit. So, but you're right. But the, the lack of consistency, I just think it's a reflection of where they are in their roster build. I mean, they're not quite there yet, right? They're, they're going to have some games where, you know, it's going to be tough for them. And that's just what it is. So I don't think it's surprising, but it's probably to be expected. Stephen Holder of ESPN and ESPN.com on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. Always a pleasure. Hey, have a great Christmas. We'll talk with you coming up. Will we talk with No, we're not on next Monday, are we? Yeah, Monday's Christmas, right? Yeah, so what All am right. I going to talk to you? Tuesday? Tuesday, maybe? Yeah. Yeah, I'm around. I'm yeah. around. Hit me up. Hit me we'll up. We'll do that next Tuesday. Have a great Christmas with you and the family, okay? All right, same to you.